This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the season finale of Trashy Divorces for season 13. Hey everyone, my name is Stacy, and we are so glad you're here for the send-off on the season. Hey friends, I'm Alicia. Today for our theme song, Stacy, we're using What Comes Around by the Beastie Boys from, honestly, one of the best album samplings ever right up next to De La Soul from Paul's Boutique mm-hmm. by the Beastie Boys. Mm-hmm. All right, who do you have for the people this week? I have the five marriages, four divorces, and kind of tremendous sleazebag of Geraldo Rivera. Yeah, sleazebag is a nice way of saying it. So much trashy in that story. Stacey, this week you're bringing us a a real housewife of Atlanta with Nene Leakes, who uh, had quite the marital journey with her late husband. Yes, she did. Before we start our episode today... Let's pull out our magic mirror at the end of the season with some big thanks and praise to our newest supporters who have joined us over at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. Thanks so much for joining us, Brian, Sarah S, Abby F, Kim F, Catherine V, Stephanie, Rory W, Beth, Paula H, and holy cats, we have a new super supporter as well, Maria Alicia A. Maria Alicia, that's a fantastic name, by the way. Excited about seeing our new and existing patrons over this weekend for our Creativity Club and our Sunday Salon. They're only part of the benefits mm-hmm. over there at Patreon. In addition to early and ad-free episodes, Stacy, I did a count on how many episodes we have over on Patreon.com. You want to guess? 800-something was the last I saw. What was, what, where, where are 940. we? 940. <laughs> so much trash candy over there. We are <sighs> so grateful Mm-hmm. To you for coming back to listen. So grateful for our Patreon folks. I think we're at about that time. Kick off the uh, season finale. Sure. Season 13, over and out. What do we got to do? Probably got to go, go, go. So, Alicia, you have... <laughs> I don't even know what to say about this guy. I can't wait to hear your story. You may want to throw a chair at Geraldo Rivera, Uh man, uh a la What Comes Around by Beastie Boys. By the time this story is done, today I have for you the trashy divorces of Geraldo Rivera. Geraldo Rivera is a well-known name in American journalism. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He drew on his lawyer status to build credibility for investigations and legal reporting. I actually did not know that he was also a lawyer. Oh, he's a man of many, many many talents. Geraldo initially rose to fame as a journalist and reporter in the 1970s. He was especially popular in the late 1980s and all through the 1990s with his talk show, The Geraldo Rivera Show. This was, of course, part of the cultural wave of similar daytime talk shows like The Oprah Winfrey Show, Mm -hmm. The Phil Donahue Show. Maury Povich. The Sally Jesse Raphael. He interviews pop culture figures and discusses controversial topics. But his show, along with those other, pave way for sleazier shows. Ah. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. There is a status and a level of sleazy. I mean, if you were too young to remember 
the um, Jerry Springer era. Uh, I, that know, was a little sleazier. A you lot, a lot sleazier. Jenny Jones mm-hmm. too. So Jerry Springer, Jenny Jones are covering more salacious topics than Oprah or Phil would ever touch. And these shows and the crop of shows like them seemed not to necessarily give too much care or thought about the level of class or appropriateness of the content. No, and there was a cadre of young actors who would play the roles of the people. Like, it, it was all, it was a strange moment in the culture. Some examples of questionable content, uh, at least on Geraldo's show. <laughs> they include him hosting a show from a nudist colony. Hmm. He probably enjoyed that one. I would think. Mud wrestling a woman. Sure. I'm sure he enjoyed that one too. (laughs) Having fat taken from his buttocks and injected into his forehead. Um, okay. So for 11 seasons, the Geraldo Rivera show was the cause of scandal and controversy. One infamous episode involved a group of white supremacists and resulted in Geraldo sustaining a nose fracture when he was struck in the face by a chair. Hence my part yes. of the song. Mm-hmm. Why'd you throw that chair at Geraldo Rivera? Man, Paul's Boutique, it's a good album. Anyway, although the Geraldo Rivera show eventually runs its course and the format of tabloid talk shows grows kind of less popular, Geraldo Rivera has managed to stay active in the journalism and entertainment worlds and has gone on to anchor a political show on Fox News for the last 11 years. Geraldo Rivera is worth an estimated $15 million, Hmm. making him one of the wealthiest talk show hosts today. He has been married, which is what we're really here for, five times. Wow. Divorced four, so he's not quite... Not quite an all-star, but... He's been linked to several other women as well. Sure. He has even been accused by the legendary goddess herself, Bette Midler, of drugging her and groping her. Wow. In his 1991 memoir, Geraldo, apparently okay at math, has claimed to have slept with over a thousand women, many of them while he was married. What could have gone so wrong in his marriages? Hard to, hard to even guess. Here's the story of the trashy divorces and trashy life of Geraldo Rivera. Gerald Michael Rivera was born on July 4th, 1943, Cancer Boy, Independence Day Baby. He's born in New York City. His parents are Lillian Friedman and Cruz Allen Rivera. Geraldo's mother is of Russian-Jewish descent, and his father is Puerto Rican. Geraldo is the second of five kids. The family lives in Brooklyn and West Babylon, New York, growing up. Gerald will attend West Babylon High School. In 1961, he goes to State University of New York Maritime College but then transfers to the University of Arizona, where he will earn his bachelor's degree. Gerald, in 1966, attends Brooklyn Law School, where he earns his J.D. After getting his law degree, he'll take a Reginald Heber Smith Fellowship in Poverty Law at the University of Pennsylvania Law School. He really liked lawyering, Mm -hmm. doing good stuff. Gerald works with a lot of community organizations when he graduates from law school. He's working for the East Harlem-based New York City chapter of the Young Lords, which is a Puerto Rican activist group, when Gerald decides that he doesn't really like his name Gerald. He's not happy with it, and he would like to use something more recognizably Mm -hmm. Latin. So he will go from Gerald to Geraldo. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. 
I'll call you the name you want to go by. Digging into his heritage. It's good. Just let me know what that name is, and that's what I'll call you. Mm-hmm. It was at this time that Geraldo begins working as a reporter for WABC-TV and decides to enroll in the Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism. Now, his early career is dedicated to marginalized groups and underserved communities. In 1972, Geraldo Rivera wins a Peabody Award for his reporting on the neglect and abuse of patients with intellectual disabilities at State Island's Willowbrook State School. He'll gain the attention of no less than John Lennon Hmm. for his reporting. John Lennon contacts Geraldo Rivera, and they organize a benefit concert called One to One in 1972 at Madison Square Garden. Interesting. Okay. His investigative reporting career does become increasingly high profile. America and the world was riveted. Many of us remember tuning in to the Al Capone vault uncovering catastrophe. It was. It, it in was. In 1986. Do you remember the special broadcast live? Oh, oh yeah. It was Every, on network TV. Oh, my God. It was like the event of, of this year. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and we were going to... There was a special broadcast, and we were going to unearth Al Capone's secret vaults uh-huh. located under the Lexington Hotel in Chicago. Uh-huh. Millions tune in, hold their breath, only to be terribly disappointed when no valuables were uncovered. I mean, they were, like, completely empty, right? It was just... Yeah, no, so they were just done. It was terrible. <laughs> and they built it up. Yeah. No, it was it, it was, was super amazing. hyped. It was super, super hyped. hyped. Oh gosh. Oh, the mid eighties. Mid eighties. All right. We're not here to hear about any of that though. Even though we could not talk about sure. the Al Capone. No, that's probably his most famous single event, yeah. Empty safe event of nineteen eighty six. Geraldo Rivera is notorious for having relationships with many women and being notoriously unfaithful to those women. He's openly admitted to having affairs while married, so it is unsurprising that our profile today has a string of broken relationships and marriages. Let's talk about number one. There's not a lot known about Geraldo's first marriage to Linda Koblenz. They marry in 1965. They divorce four years later in 1969. No kids. He was 22. It's likely this didn't work just because you're young, right? Figuring out who they both are. That is correct. And Geraldo has figured out at this point, I think, that he's a serial cheater. So he's had many extramarital affairs over the course of his life. He will marry his second wife on the heels of this divorce. Oh, I see. One of those. So it, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that maybe there was an affair before the end of the marriage, but it would not surprise me. It usually reads that way though. So, well, I can't wait to tell you about a second wife. Okay. This I think is going to surprise you and many trash pandas. Geraldo Rivera's second marriage was to Edie Vonnegut, daughter of Kurt Vonnegut. Oh wow. Famed slaughterhouse five author. Huh? Mm-hmm. And how did his father-in-law feel about... I'm so glad you asked. Dirt, Let's talk dirt, a dirty dog Geraldo. About it. Edie and Geraldo do marry December 14th, 1971. And Edie, talented lady. She's a painter and an author. And during their marriage, Edie will publish under the name of Edith Vonnegut Rivera. Okay. 
Her book, Nora's Tale, which is published in 1975, has the dedication in the beginning that reads, For Geraldo. During this marriage, this couple, holy cats, they're regular fixtures at Studio 54. Geraldo is palling around with his BFFs, Andy Warhol, Rudolf Nureyev, Mick Jagger. Very strange. Okay. Unexpected. Geraldo will describe the townhouse that he shares with his wife, Edie Vonnegut, as being, quote unquote, the site of unsurpassed parties. (laughs) This one again, a little bit of Joan Crawford uh, four-year repetition here. Mm. This one ends in 1975. Mm. They divorce. They have no children. You asked about dad. After the divorce... Kurt Vonnegut said of Geraldo Rivera on CBS News Nightwatch, quote, he's obviously a scumbag because he started making love to other people and betraying my daughter and her innocence from the very beginning. If I see Jerry again, I'll spit in his face, unquote. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Kurt Vonnegut is a writer, though, Mm. and that is not his only or final revenge. Kurt Vonnegut will include an unflattering character, that was not uncoincidentally named Jerry Rivers as a chauffeur in a few of his books. Okay. Two up, two down. Don't piss off the novelists. You'll end up as a character and you may not like it. I would be remiss if we did not have a little interlude in this story now called Affairs, 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 Drugs, and Groping. Okay. During this time in the 1970s, Geraldo claims in his memoir called Exposing Myself, hold on to that, published in 1991 to have slept with many women, including Judy Collins, Margaret Trudeau, Marion Javits, Chris Evert, and Bette Midler. Are you telling me that Geraldo Rivera might be Justin Trudeau's father? No, I'm not. A hundred percent, most assuredly not because Margaret Trudeau has some comments on his comments. Geraldo, before we talk about those affairs that may or may not did not Mm, happen, Geraldo will recount a story about some time spent with two interns in a boiler room at ABC television studios in Manhattan. (laughs) I love quoting my direct source because I don't have to make it up. Mm -hmm. Here's what Geraldo wrote. I had two cute and smart young women working for me at the time, college co-eds from out of town who were infatuated with the television news business and their proximity to the local star of the day. They were attractive and dedicated, and after a short time, the infatuation became mutual. On one unusually slow news day, things heated up to where all indications suggested an urgent need for privacy. Just bragging about the sexual harassment at work. All right. We found it in the boiler room. And from that day forward, the three of us would regularly disappear there. All we had in the way of furniture was a chair, which made the entanglements daunting and creative. But we were always up to the challenge. Although Geraldo Rivera will describe his affair with Bette Midler as consensual and say they had sex several times, Bette Midler fervently claims otherwise. Bette Midler states that Geraldo Rivera drugged her and forced himself on her before an interview. Wow. Okay. Regarding that incident, Geraldo Rivera describes in his book, quote, We were in the bathroom preparing for the interview, and at some point, I put my hands on her breasts. 
She loved it, and we fell into a passionate embrace. Bette Midler, counterpoint, says that Geraldo Rivera came into her apartment for the interview and that he and his producer pushed her into the bathroom. Geraldo Rivera then allegedly put poppers under her nose, groped and molested, quote-unquote, her, not even saying, hello, how are you, my name is Geraldo. Geraldo Rivera calls Bette Midler's allegations preposterous. Wow. (laughs) I, I don't quite know how to take that. As for our very dear sweet Judy Blue Eyes, Judy Collins, Judy Collins says not only did she not have an affair with Geraldo Rivera, but that she had also never met him until a few months before his book was published. Maybe he met someone who claimed to be? Maybe he met someone who was named Judy Collins. Here's one better. This is my favorite regarding Margaret Trudeau. Mm -hmm. Mother of Justin Trudeau. Correct. Geraldo Rivera said... It was like she had never been made love to before. It was like she was unleashing years of pent-up frustration. Margaret Trudeau's attorney has released a statement. Okay. Eight words. I think it sums it up. There is no truth whatever to these allegations. End of story. This never happened. Okay. So, all right. All right. Third marriage. He'll marry for the third time. On the heels of that last divorce in 75, he'll get married at the end of December 1976. This time his bride is Cheryl Raymond. And it is potentially likely that sweet Cheryl thinks that Geraldo has matured and learned from his first two marriages. It sounds like. He would be 32 by this point, kind of settling in a little older, a little wiser. She was wrong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The couple will have a son together in 1979, but they will divorce in 1984. This one admittedly lasts a little longer than the others. Cynthia Cruikshank, Cece, becomes Geraldo's fourth wife on July 11th, 1987. And it seems like for a while this one gonna, gonna do the trick. The couple have two daughters together, born in 1992 and 1994, respectively. But an odd thing happens during this marriage, and that in 1991, for some inexplicable reason, Geraldo Rivera is chosen as one of the 50 most beautiful people in the world by People magazine. Okay. (laughs) Who knew, right? This may or may not go to Geraldo's head. Oh, you think... So, although this marriage will last for 13 years... He seems so level-headed to start with. Okay. Longer than the previous ones, they will divorce in 2000. But Geraldo says that Cece is still one of his very best friends. In 2005, five years after the divorce, there's an article from The Atlantic in which Cece claims that Geraldo Rivera is, quote-unquote, incapable of being faithful. I mean, that is... The picture you're painting. (laughs) So we have made a fifth trip down the aisle. No divorce. On August 10th, 2003, Geraldo Rivera marries for the fifth time. Unlucky number five. To Erica Michelle Levy. She's a producer on his CNBC show, Rivera Live. Levy will join the show in 2001 and the couple begins dating shortly after. At the time of their wedding, Erica is 28 Geraldo is 60. Whoa. They will welcome a daughter in 2005, 
In 2017, the couple will buy a mansion in her hometown of Shaker Heights, Ohio. Shaker Heights is a very nice town. I've been there. Okay. The home is nearly 13,000 square feet, six bedrooms, six baths. Prior to moving, though, to Ohio, the couple had lived on the Upper East Side of Manhattan and also had an estate in Edgewater, New Jersey. About the same time that Cece in 2005 has said he's incapable of being faithful, Geraldo has a, a little bit of a statement. He is asked in 2005 about his plans to remain faithful to his current wife after being unsuccessful at being faithful to any of his former wives. Geraldo says, That certainly has been my story, but for now, I've been clean and sober, sexually speaking, for four years, and I've had a million opportunities, obviously. Oh, my God. Being on the road, especially being in Asia. But I've been studious about it. I figure I've got a 30-year-old wife. Why am I going to be greedy about it? I've finally given it up. Socrates was free of it at 80. I was free of it before Socrates. So, no, uh, I love my wife and I'm an honorable person. (laughs) It's just like... No, I'm going to compare myself to Socrates. Sure. I've had plenty of opportunities. Obviously. To just push it in, but, you know. (laughs) So, it does appear the fifth time does seem to be the charm for Geraldo Rivera. I'm sorry, Socrates. Socrates. Dude, you are no Socrates. Oh, my God. The couple has been married for over 20 years, and Geraldo's almost 79 years old, so... Maybe that would slow him down a bit. Hopefully, this will be the final marriage for him. Sure. I didn't realize he was 79. Wow. Oh, yeah. But then we have one more little bonus cupcake at the end of this story, and a little chapter I like to call Nudish Selfies and Rants About Marriage. So in July 2013, Geraldo will find himself in the media hot seat again. And this time it was for taking a semi-nude picture of himself in his bathroom mirror, which he promptly posts on social media with the caption, 70 is the new 50. Very Carlos Danger of him. Okay, go ahead. In this picture, he is bare-chested. His hair is combed back. He is admiring himself with a white towel, barely covering his man parts. (laughs) The next morning, all five of his children call him and beg him to take that photo down, Dad. Will you please take that photo down, Dad? And Dad will and say, sorry, I had a little too much tequila, kids. You know how it makes my towel fall off. Oh, my God. He didn't really say that. That was just me. Sure. No, he will blame the incident on too much tequila. But not to be outdone. I guess he had a good time celebrating his birthday in 2014 because in July of 2014, Geraldo goes on this really strange rant about women, youth, and marriage because he's got opinions. Oh, does he? Mm -hmm. Okay. He has an opinion on the trend of so-called beta or tryout marriages. Just like you get married as your first marriage just to get married. Like, just so you can try on marriage. I must have missed this trend. Go ahead. I missed the trend, but that's okay. Geraldo says, generally speaking, the man is the breadwinner. Although now, increasingly, women do work. (laughs) But I think what a woman brings to a marriage, more than anything else, to a relationship, is her youth. Her youth is a fragile and diminishing resource. 
So if a woman were to invest two years in one of these marriages and then to be rejected by that man, I think she's given up a valuable asset. I... uh, Okay. Valuable asset for sure. I mean, I am so happy to have just slid into middle age. I Obviously. Apparently, I've I've lost the most valuable thing about myself. <laughs> I don't even take off my pajama pants I mean, to go to the store anymore. So oh. my youth is done. Yeah. Anyway, my darling, Oof. trash pandas. That is the uh, marital ride of Geraldo Rivera. I can see how he ended up in the Murdochian universe. <laughs> Sounds like he fits right in. Woo! As trash cans go, mm-hmm. so many trash cans. Oh. So many. I am going to give him 80 trash cans, which 79 for the age he'll be this year, mm-hmm. but also one to grow on. Ah, uh, yeah. 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 And they're yeah. all filled with Greek prose mm-hmm. and philosophical thinking from Socrates. But let's make sure they're very young trash cans, which makes them more valuable. Perfect. There you go. 80 young, young trash cans full of filled with Greek philosophers. Huh. That's Geraldo Rivera. Oh my god. Somehow that was worse than I expected. We're going to take a quick break mm-hmm. and we're going to come back on the flip. <laughs> Have stunned you. Yeah. I haven't stunned you in a while. No. That was amazing. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll see you on the flip for Nini Leaks, a different kind of what comes around. Mm-hmm. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Disentel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Bellisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disentel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. 
Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. If you have been thinking about your financial situation, if you've been brewing questions you would like to ask a financial professional, if you would like some guidance on addressing debt, investing, or other general financial organization, then in the immortal lyrics of Amy Ray, I said it's time. Don't assume anything, just go, go, go. 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 To theoaktreegroup.net. There you will find the contact information for three holistic financial planners that have been working together for over 17 years. Kelly, Eileen, and Ellen will tailor a financial strategy for your unique goals and circumstances. You can also give them a call at 770-319-1700 to schedule your free one-hour consultation. They would never use your years to psych you out. Again, the phone number is 770-319-1700. And the website is www.theoaktreegroup.net. Go, go, go. So Stacy, it's coming back around. You got a real drama mama this week. Yep. Uh, it's been a while since we dug through some housewives dirt. And since we're closing out season 13... I thought it might be fun to wander through the on-again, off-again, on-again marital adventure of Real Housewives of Atlanta alum Nene Leakes and her late husband Greg, who passed away last fall after a recurrence of colon cancer that he had beaten a few years earlier. So it's kind of, yeah, a little sad at the end. As we've talked about before, divorcing is one of the most common relationship moves across the sprawling Housewives franchise, so perhaps it's not especially surprising that Nene... After three seasons on, do people call it Roa? Is that the pronunciation? Uh, anyway, Real Housewives of Atlanta kicked her husband of 14 years to the curb. Oh. But in their case, it was the breakup that was transitory, not the marriage. After two years apart, she and Greg again said, I do, and of course, invited a camera crew to document it for a series called, or a special called, I Dream of Nini, The Wedding. Of course they did. Mm-hmm. All along the way, at least since Nini joined the Roa cast in 2008, their relationship has been the subject of rumor, sometimes fueled by the loose lips of the couple's many children, although they share only one child together. So let's get into what we know about Nini and Greg Leakes. And again, these are their personal histories are not as well documented as some of the better known celebrities, perhaps, that we cover. So. Greg's bio in particular is, his public bio anyway, is much more sparse than Nini's, although hers is not exactly giant. He was born around 1955, the internet says, in New York City, and was married before he met Nini in Atlanta in the 1990s. He worked as a real estate investor and from one or more previous relationships had five kids by the time he'd met his wife times two. This would be our fair heroine, Lenithia Monique Johnson, who was born December 13, 1967, in the borough of Queens, New York. She was one of five kids, and in what would become a source of lifelong pain for Nini, her mom decided that she needed, you know, help with that many kids. So Nini and one of her brothers were sent to Athens, Georgia, to be raised by their aunt. Mm. Uh, I believe she was four the other, her, her three siblings remained in New York City with their mom. Okay. 
there was a 2015, you know, Real Housewives of Atlanta reunion episode, and Nini became extremely emotional when the subject of her mother was brought up. Fellow housewife Kenya Moore told her, you don't have a relationship with your mother, you felt abandoned. Backstage, executive producer Andy Cohen asked Greg what the story was with her mom, and he replied, her mom had five children when she was very young. She couldn't take care of five kids. She sent Nini and her brother to Athens to be raised by her aunt. She raised the other three kids. Nini has always wondered why she had to be one of the ones who was sent away. It's bugged her all her life. So I think she was four when the separation happened. So it seems like that would leave some... Some pretty big trauma, I would exactly. think. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Nini graduated from Clark Central High School in Athens. Oh, Clark Central. Mm-hmm. Aw. Yeah. I know. This is our neck of the woods. I love it. Well, that's right next door to my sorority house. Perfect. And then she headed for the bright lights of Atlanta, Georgia. Well, that's where you go from Athens. About an hour away. Yeah. She attended Morris Brown College for a couple of years while also discovering a lucrative way to support herself during this period of her life. In 2012, she opened up to Ebony Magazine about her time as an exotic dancer at strip clubs in Atlanta. Quote, I used the name Holly and then Silk. I thought I made pretty good money. It was a great hustle. If I needed to make $1,000, I got dressed and went to the club. If me and my roommate needed 5000 by the weekend, I would work all week. What you mentally wanted to make, you could make. Everybody dancing beside you is usually another student. Atlanta strip clubs are full of students. There are a lot of conventions there. You can make a ton of money. I remember working at the strip club about a month and then bought a new car. The money was fast. And there you go, Mayor Andre Dickens, Atlanta's greatest marketing campaign yet. Not kidding. You can hustle a lot of cash. Ooh. Anyway, it seems like she was working at a strip club when she met Greg in 1996, although both have attempted to clarify in public that they did not meet at the club itself. On a 2014 appearance on uh, Bethany Frankel's short-lived talk show, Greg remarked that after meeting, quote, she invited me to her job. And I graciously accepted. Greg was instantly smitten with Nini, though it wasn't exactly a two-way street to start with. On a Roa episode a few years later, she said, You and me exchanged numbers, and he left me a voicemail, and he was like, Give Big Daddy a call. And I was like, Oh, hell no. Hell no. I'm not giving Big Daddy anything. (laughs) Eventually, she did give Big Daddy a call, though, and she recalled, He said, I'm going to marry you one day. And I said, "Uh -uh Uh-uh-uh. He also caught her a bit off guard by taking things more slowly than she was used to, which fits with the gentlemanly demeanor that he typically presented on the show. But they were engaged within about six months. She oh, was wow. tw- That's fast. 28, I think. Okay. Or she was 28 when they married. And in 1997, the two married. Greg is about a dozen years older than Nini, so this really like worked out for both of them. So, you know, he had a, a nice young bride flattering his own sense of self and of course he being older and more established in his career like he had he could provide a comfortable lifestyle for her and her baby and the baby that they were going to have together in 1999. Now there is some messiness that one of Greg's kids from his earlier marriage spilled to Radar Online in 2011 as his dad and stepmom were quietly divorcing though both had been publicly denying the rumors for a while. So Damien Leakes who was 34 at the time, said of the beginning of their relationship, once he met her, he kicked us out of the house. The young siblings went to my mom's and he just ran off to start a whole new life, literally in front of our faces. Well, that's a twist. That's too bad. Especially from her being sent. Abandoned. Yeah. I mean, maybe, sorry, abandoned is not correct, but it does seem like she felt abandoned. 
Nini had been trying to break into acting for years before she came to the attention of Bravo's producers. And she had landed some stuff. She, I guess, has a friend who's a uh, casting director in Atlanta. And so she had popped up here and there, but it didn't. It seems like she was also focusing on being a mom. So anyway, Real Housewives of Atlanta is the third outpost of the now global enterprise that began with the Real Housewives of Orange County in 2006. I'm not quite sure how she came to specifically the attention of the producers for the Atlanta series, but they met Nini and they saw someone who could drive the drama and the conflict in a highly entertaining way. Sarcasm, shade, all the, all the things. You're um, hired. Yes. So she was one of the original, like she was part of the original cast. She would end up with a contract that paid her a million dollars an episode before all was said and done. You no, are joking. I don't think it started that way in 08, but like in, in subsequent, yeah. She's one of the top paid housewives in that the is incredible. franchise's history. But the biggest thing to happen after the show's 2008 launch is that Nini's star finally was on the rise, triggering the classic housewives curse situation that we have talked about before. Greg, who previously had been the more successful partner, was suddenly a secondary player in Nini's story, and the reversal of fortunes created some conflict. In 2010, Greg sat down with a friend to vent a little bit about his frustrations with the state of play. He told the guy who just happened to have an online radio show that he had given Nini $300,000 to launch her career in reality TV, and quote, the fame got to her head. You know what happened next, right? The friend had secretly recorded the conversation, so the audio was leaked online. Nini, in a subsequent episode of Roa, visited a divorce attorney. Uh, quote, uh, oh. <laughs> uh, quote, I just really need time to decide if I really want to go through with it or if I want to try to work it out, she told the lawyer. I want it to be a wake-up call for Greg. I want Greg to wake up and say, oh my God, this fool really went and did that and I really need to make a change. I will say threatening divorce, if you're not sure about it, is... It seems extreme. A, it's a gamble. That is a gamble. Greg seemed to recognize the depth of how much he had screwed up, telling her, you and I had an argument. I was venting to what I perceived as a friend. Whoever thought he would put it on the radio. He's an on-air radio person, and did you say off the record? And your wife is a reality TV star, and anyway, like, that did not work for Nini, that excuse, who insisted, I stood by you when you've done me wrong as your wife, but you want to make other people think that I have done you wrong. I have never done you wrong. We've lost loyalty and trust. Indeed, they lost it sufficiently that their divorce was finalized in 2011 with the collapse of the marriage on full display in Roa's third and fourth seasons. Nini. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Nini would tell an interviewer afterwards, quote, we were super tight, good friends. I mean, we've always been that way through me ever knowing Greg. I think a lot of people were surprised when I filed for divorce. I filed for divorce because I always felt like you have to teach people how to treat you. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And I felt like at that time that Greg wasn't treating me the way I felt I should be treated. It was me teaching Greg a lesson, and I think he got it. It's a pretty extreme way to teach the lesson. That's whew, one way to do it, I guess. And in this case, it did actually work. Greg basically resigned himself to the project of winning his wife back. And sure enough, by January 2013, the pair were once again engaged to be married. Huzzah! 
This culminated in, as you would expect, a big June wedding in 2013 with the reality show treatment that her own television production company co-produced, making sure to... All the housewives have business Share stuff. Share the wealth. There's a thing called the Bethany Clause in contracts now that if like you sell a business that you started during your, your housewife career, Bravo gets a cut because because Bethany Frankel sold Skinny Girl for $100 million and Bravo really? got nothing. Wow. But Bravo had helped grow that brand. So there's a Bethany Clause in the contract. Anyway. One way or another. Yeah. Okay, I know. I learned too much about the Housewives this week. So she also started landing some roles in scripted shows around this time, notably appearing as a synchronized swim coach in the third season of Glee. She was like an Olympic bronze medal winner or something. I don't know. That season was fantastic. Yes. She appeared on Broadway for several months in a production of Cinderella in 2014 and then had a four-week Broadway run in a production of Chicago in 2015. Really? Mm -hmm. Talented lady. She took a season or two off from Housewives but returned to it in 2017. She and Greg also made an appearance on a cooking competition show on Fox that year. They did not win. It was June of 2018 when Greg was first diagnosed with colon cancer at stage three at the time of his diagnosis. And Roa documented the strain that the experience put on the marriage. And they even, like, it got to where they were even considering divorce again. So I'm going to share a quote that I think is actually really terrible, but seems to reveal some of the dynamics of the Leak's marriage. This is Nini from an interview with Us Magazine around this time. Quote, Greg, he's a supporter. He's always supported my career, and it was just hard for him to support when he was sick. I'm used to him being there, and the fact that he wasn't there really hurt because I was just like, I don't have him to go to for advice. I don't have him to do anything because he's sick in bed, and it was really tough on us. I, uh... Huh. I feel like there's a vow about that exact situation in the standard marriage ceremony. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard of that vow. So... It's complicated when... One of you is suffering true ill effects of health, but there is certainly a way to look at it. Like I would, maybe the statement would have been, "This is how I'm supporting my husband." Yeah, in his time of yeah, interesting, interesting. Fortunately, after about a year, Greg's scans came back clear, and he began what unfortunately turned into only a two-year remission. Nini, who by then was the only original cast member still on. Roa, and who had ongoing feuds with basically every other cast member, opted to leave the franchise in 2020 to focus on other business enterprises. She's got some boutique stores in a couple of cities. There's a lounge that she opened in uh, Duluth, Georgia, just up the road. Interesting. I had no idea. In 2020. She would end the year by getting into a social media feud with Bravo itself. Oh, no. Criticizing it for, she alleged, not promoting black women creators and said that she actually felt forced off of Roa. So whatever the story is there, much more and more significant bad news was to follow. In June of 2021, the couple learned that Greg's cancer was back Mm. and apparently not in a form amenable to treatment. Greg died just months later on September 1st, 2021 at the age of 66. Nini would later tell People Magazine the last five days before his passing were really beautiful. All of his children were there. His best friends were there. Our closest friends were there. We all sat with him around the clock. She added, we talked a lot and made peace with what was happening. Uh, That's sad. 
Sad ending, but you know, Nene Leakes ain't done. She's apparently dating again, she's running her businesses, and it seems she is still feuding with some of her old Housewives co-stars in the tabloids. Oh, and come on, on what social. comes around? Sure. She sold the Duluth mansion that she had shared with Greg for like $2.65 million, I think, saying that she needed closure. The home had also been a sometimes location and backdrop for the TV series, too, of course. Like, you know, par- sure. Party at Nini's or whatever. So I think the closure that she was looking for may have gone just well beyond wanting to move on from memories of Greg. New place, new space. Yeah. So no trash cans or halos on this one. It seems like Roa's ratings may have taken a hit after Nini departed, which certainly must give her some satisfaction as she moves on to do other things with her life. Nini Leaks, everybody. Well done. Housewives forever. We just have to dip in sometimes. This week, this whole season has been quite a ride. It has. It has been quite a ride. Goodbye, season 13. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, y'all. It's not going to take too long before we're back, April 10th, for season 14. Mm-hmm. If you need a little bit more trashy divorces in the meantime... With the advent of spring, we're going to be replacing out some of our oh, right. behind-the-paywall yeah. episodes. Stacy, give everybody that link to get some free trash candy. Yeah, that's over at bit.ly slash trash candy. Just type that into your browser, and it'll take you to the listing. Also, you need a little bit more fun to listen to. We had daily drops of Done and Done this week, mm-hmm. continuing the Gloria Vanderbilt story. If you mm-hmm. like long stories of family history that are a little bit trashy. I do encourage you to check that out. And Love Letters 2 this coming week, I'm going to be delivering a love letter to the planet and our solar system that really got screwed. We can't wait to be back with you on April 10th. Thanks for listening to this episode. Thank you for joining the ride for all of the seasons we've put out. We're looking forward to the next one. That's 100% true. Until we talk again then, friends. Keep those hands clean. Wash them, wash them. And keep your hearts trashy. So, so trashy. (laughs) Big love. Bye, Bye. y'all. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacey and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's sydneyvsmith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy, Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there. And thanks again, everybody, for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.